this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome, everyone. History of Westeros podcast, aborted version and restarted. <laughs> it happens. That's live streaming for you. Stuff happens. So every Saturday, we gather here to discuss the next episode of House of the Dragon. It's only episode three that we've had, only three episodes in the books. So quite a bit of season left. We talk predictions, related topics, and things that we missed during Monday's episode, because, you know, we get to it pretty quickly after the episode's out, less than 24 hours. We try to be complete, but this stuff is way too deep to get it all, so that's why we have a second episode for that. And joining us today for our excellent preview, returning guest, someone you all know quite well. She's been here several times, and will be here again, and we go on their show as well. It's Lady Gwyn from Radio Westeros. How's it going? Hello, it's going great. Double Happy deja vu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, besides House of the Dragon, what have y'all been uh, working on over there at uh, Radio Westeros? Well, we're planning what we're going to be doing uh, after the season's over, of course. We've got some things that 
we haven't quite finalized yet, but one of the major things we're working on is uh, part five of our Dance of the Dragon series. Heck yeah. We're ready to, we're getting ready <laughs> to put that out. It should be this month. So stay tuned for that. And it's looking like it'll be a total of seven parts. We've mapped it all out now and we're just working on writing the different sections of part five. But as far as our plan goes, it should be seven parts, which is nice. A nice round number. Very holy Very number. Fitting. <laughs> Very fitting. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So we got a lot to cover today. Some predictions to make. A few things that, like I said, some things that we missed last time. You can, of course, watch the streams three o'clock Eastern on Saturday and spoiler free streams on Mondays at six. You can watch the replays on YouTube or Spotify and podcast versions anywhere you get podcasts like Spotify or Amazon Music or, say, iTunes or any podcatcher you use. So here's a thing. I have COVID, <laughs> but I'm still streaming. So if I seem a little off or my voice sounds funny, that's well, why, you know why. That's why I'm off camera today, because I have to keep my distance from Aziz and wear a mask. That's right. We have had to quarantine in-house. This is the second time. Last time it was her with it and me not. So it's kind of strange, right? That's COVID for you. Just it's so unpredictable. We, we, she got it at a convention in April that we were both at and traveled together. And then <laughs> this time I got it at the convention and she didn't. And we were together most of the time. So anyway, what, who, what, who, go figure. So if Aziz is a little loopy today, you know why. That's right. That's right. I may not be <laughs> quite my normal self. We'll see though. So timeline wise, it looks like a shortish jump. There's, I mean, it's a big jump for a TV show to even go six months, but given the jumps we've had so far, that's on the smaller end. I guess that's as short as the other short jump. We had about a year jump and a three year jump, and this will be our second six ish month jump. And what's our thinking on that? We're, this is kind of an estimate, mm, partly because of Helena's born and the street performer, right? That's a big clue, isn't it, Lady Gwen? Yeah. Yep. So she's holding a baby that, you know, obviously looks like Helena. It's notoriously difficult to tell how old babies are. <laughs> uh, infants in particular on television, because they tend to not use appropriately sized, you know, newborns. Yeah. Labor laws and but, all. But uh, <laughs> she's got to be at least six months old. But then there is this voiceover from this. Uh, it says street performer, if you're watching it with subtitles on. And he, he calls Aegon a babe of three. Huh. And we just had his second birthday that's what that entire episode three was about so it could be uh, as much as a year uh which begs the question if allison might be pregnant again in this yeah. episode since uh you know Eamon should be coming along pretty shortly if it's been a year that's true yeah all those ch all her kids do come in fairly short succession as far as childbirth goes in fire and blood and it seems like that's important for them to do in the show as well to get that all taken care of before the big time jump. So I guess Damon maybe has a little bit longer to finish off the stepstones. Um, since we're seeing his return, clearly he doesn't just head right back the second he kills Crabfeeder, or perhaps the timeline is, I I'm not sure there, but it seems like in canon, book canon rather, that is what happens as well. There's, there's a little bit of, more time to finish off the the stepstones it's the multiple islands there's other triarchy forces here and there they may just yada 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 over that but it would make sense that there's more to do just besides killing crab feeder and saying all right we're done now yeah it, it wasn't quite that simple 
we did see well, something we'll talk about maybe off and on here in this episode if we get a chance. But I wanted to throw a mention to the, the deleted moments that have been making their way around social media. There's a, a deleted scene of Allison in her wedding dress. And pr- apparently there was a look at that thing. That is awesome. And Rhaenyra, apparently they were going to have a confrontation, which makes sense. Uh, Rhaenyra helping Allison get ready to marry her father. Yeah, that's awkward, right? (laughs) So I guess we missed out on what could have been a pretty cool scene. But I bet we're going to get to see it. I think it seems like they filmed the whole scene and they probably didn't want to cut it, but they just had to for continuity reasons and for, you know, the way they're doing time jumps and all. Mm. But I bet we get to see it. I bet it gets put on a Blu-ray or or something like that. So we we will probably get to see it. Yeah, I guess because it's not a scene that was cut because visual effects aren't done or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably effectively done and able to be released. It was time. Mm. That's a good point. A lot of times deleted scenes weren't completed. They realized it wasn't going to happen before they got all the way through the process and didn't bother with the CGI or the final touches or adding in the background and all that. And so to release that would make it look awkward or they'd have to go ahead and put that effort in. But in this case, I mean, you had Allison all dressed up and it looks like the scene was pretty complete if not entirely complete so that's another reason why we'll probably get to see it eventually and hopefully some other ones too there might be some other hidden deleted scenes that sneak through that uh we'll get to enjoy hopefully a a decent chunk of them we'll start with damon uh after what he just pulled uh in front of everybody his amazing run quite literally run and fight and all that that's impressive. Regardless of what you think of it, if you witness that, <laughs> you'd be like, wow, that guy, <laughs> he really did that, didn't he? You probably feel like that guy, like, save me, my prince. You can <laughs> yeah. see why, why people might be passionate about Damon and what they saw yeah. and do that. It's a good point. They already liked him even before. They, they certainly were in awe of him. And the one, now the, the ones who weren't stepped on are even more in awe of him now, which, <laughs> Could mean quite a bit more loyalty. It also could mean his pride is a little bit more settled. I'm sure he's still quite proud. What I mean is maybe he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder anymore. He no longer feels like he hasn't proved anything. He's done something to match his brother, maybe. His brother didn't earn a kingdom. He was given it to him. Damon has. So there, there's a lot of things that might change about his personality. But that doesn't mean it's a good thing, <laughs> right? Just because he might be a little less petty, maybe less rebellious, less in the shadow of his brother. That doesn't mean he's just going to, like, start helping the kids in the orphanages and feeding the hungry. He might be worse. He might be worse. He might be more confident with his moves. He might be more, like, feels like he's more deserving of higher position. We'll have, we'll, we'll see about that. So he will have less hair, though. Apparently he cuts his hair. Uh, I guess that's maybe one way to show a change in character and, and a little bit of passage of time. So. He just kept getting Maybe stuck was... on his new crown, I think. <laughs> he was tired of his long hair. It just like would get pulled. I mean, I can relate. I'm sure you can relate too, Lady Quinn, that whenever you wear your crown, it gets your your hair gets stuck on it. So. <laughs> definitely, definitely that. Also, if you get, you know, crab feeder guts stuck in your hair, it might have just been better to chop it off. Mm, crab feeder Stuff's guts. hard to get out. <laughs> couple of super chats from some friends here. Callista Cross sends one and says, can't watch live, so just popping in. Excited to see your thoughts on what's to come. Well, appreciate that. You can catch the replay later, of course. 
Marlee sends a super chat just a show of love and support. Appreciate all the content. Well, we appreciate you, Mara. We'll keep it coming. We're having so much fun together as a group here. Ani Harutunyanian. I I have to learn how to say your name, Ani, but you have supported us for a long time. She's also a supporter of our Witcher podcast. So thank you very much, Ani. Very, very much appreciated. So yeah, Damon, uh, we got some shots here. He comes in with his new crown, his short hair, his, he's got the hammer, a crab feeder's hammer just right there, like a prize of war. And at some point he seems to hand it off to, you know, he's not allowed to be armed approaching the king. It looks like he hands it to Harold Westerling. At one point you can see Harold holding it and presumably he has to hand over Dark Sister as well. Yeah, you can see right in the bottom left there, it looks like Harold's just like holding the hammer and the crown. And the crown. <laughs> and, uh, it's kind of funny, Blackfire is sheathed there, but I almost think that's a better look for what the blade should look like, all black like that. <laughs> that's almost like what I imagine it really could look like. But um, yeah, so Kristen Cole on the other side there. Kristen Cole being there tells us a little something about maybe when this is happening or uh, maybe not. I'm not entirely sure. This seems to be, I would guess this is early in the episode because we know Damon's around, you know, like sneaking around and doing stuff and maybe getting in trouble. So this has to be the first thing, I would think, to to kick all that off. I guess I kind of thought Christian was Rhaenyra's personal guard, so I'm a little surprised that he's with Viserys in the throne room and not protecting Rhaenyra. That is him, right? I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's him. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. When you zoom in, you can really tell. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm guessing that shot where... Damon buzzes them with Caraxes, where he just goes over the ship like that, and they're like, take cover. I'm guessing that's actually him returning from the Stepstones. Like, they're returning from this jaunt to Storm's End, which oh. we'll cover later. I'm guessing they're sailing back to yeah. King's Landing, and at the same time, Damon is returning from the Stepstones. Oh. That's just my that's just a total guess, but it fits super well, yeah. so that's kind of yeah. where I'm that answers my, I had been wondering. I was like, why, was, why is Rhaenyra... On a ship with Kristen and Craxes. I hadn't, yeah, that to me. Is that the same yeah. outfit she's wearing? I didn't think to look at that. It might be the same outfit she's wearing at Storm's End. That would really help. I, mean, us I, figure would, it out. I feel I like she would change to a different traveling gown. But she we'll might, see. but if she does have the same outfit, that would tell us. It's there not necessarily a clue. She's in her overcoat very clearly. Oh, so she does one. have that red, though, doesn't she? Under the overcoat, maybe? Um, it's unclear. It's hard to tell. There's a little bit of red there, but I can't tell if that's something else or. It might just be something. Else. Anyway, not important. We'll, we'll learn soon enough. So here's let's compare what we know from Fire and Blood to Damon's return in what we might expect to see in the show. And here's a quote from Fire and Blood, Lady Gwyn. Says, wearing a crown and styling himself king of the narrow sea, he appeared unannounced in the skies above King's Landing on his dragon, circling thrice above the tourney grounds. But when at last he came to Earth, he knelt before his brother and offered up his crown as a token of his love and fealty. Viserys returned the crown and kissed Damon on both cheeks, welcoming him home, and the lords and commons sent up a thunderous cheer as the sons of the spring prince were reconciled. Amongst those cheering loudest was Princess Rhaenyra, who was thrilled at the return of her favorite uncle and begged him to stay a while. You know, this is funny because I remember this that line that Viserys said in episode two, Rainier Ra- calling Rainey's his favorite cousin. Like, she's kind yeah. of his only cousin. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the same. Like, what other uncle? I mean, maybe she has 
a veil uncle, right? Maybe Emma had a brother and that's her uncle, but I, I, we, but for all we know, this is her only uncle. So that's funny. And, and that's true in Fire and Blood too. So it's kind of a play on, kind of play on words there. Or maybe that's what the showrunners caught and they're like, favorite uncle. Like, isn't that his only uncle or only <laughs> uncle? So they decided to do the same joke, but <laughs> leaning into that joke. Definitely her only Targaryen uncle. So that's, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Anyway. So what did you think of this? What do you what do you see some what jumps out at you here, Lady Gwen? Obviously that's not at the tournament, but that's that's a small change, right. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, first of all, one of the first things that I noticed about this scene was in uh, previews early on, you know, months ago probably, we had stills or something that showed the scene and the framing struck me as so amazingly close to the artwork by Chase Stone mm. from the World Book. Uh, you get that picture of Damon handing up his crown. There it is. Nice job, Ashea. (laughs) Thank you. And it is just, it's stunningly close to that, which uh, minus Caraxes, because the Chase Stone artwork, you can see Caraxes' tail at the very bottom. So severe. Uh, Probably (laughs) didn't bring Caraxes into this (laughs) room. You'd think that would (laughs) be frowned on. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's probably frowned on. But uh, yeah, it just, and to me, it just shows like the absolute love that the, the production team was taking with this show. Uh, you know, really, really sticking close to the source material. Yeah, we've both and been noticing just, that a lot, haven't we? How just little nuggets. Yeah. It really, even though they're little, mm-hmm. it really gives you that sense of wow, they do know the material. They really do. They're they're catching these clues, the kind of things that we love to do week in and week out. They're, yeah. they're right there with us. That's that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. So, uh, yeah, and you you mentioned about the uh, the tourney in Fire and Blood. Damon came back during a tourney that was held to celebrate uh, Viserys and Allison's five-year anniversary, which is actually the event where the Blacks and Greens uh, got their, you know, got their names, the, the green, ground, green gown and the black gown. So no sign of those colors in the preview. So I don't think that is going to, you know, be the way they go in this episode. So they're splitting those two events in some way, apparently. But uh, obviously, we should be on the lookout for those bigger fault lines to be forming between Rhaenyra and Alicent, yeah. uh, because I do assume that the five-year tourney or the show equivalent, however they're going to handle that split of the greens and the blacks, will actually be, if not in this episode, it's got to be in episode five, because mm. it will set up that a really big divide between the two camps prior to the major time jump that will be coming along. I, you know, it occurs to me, I think they might not use the terms greens and blacks in the show. I'm kind of guessing they're just not going to bother with that. Just the factions are kind of obvious. They don't need that term. Kind of, it's just kind of obvious to say blacks, you know, as <laughs> a faction, just walking around <laughs> saying that. They were like, maybe we shouldn't have that. Maybe if it was like browns and greens or something, other color, but they just don't want, I don't know. I, I, I'm just guessing, but the phrase hasn't appeared. I, it didn't really look from the trailers like there was going to be obvious black and green dressing, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm guessing they're just not going to use those phrases uh stupid minotaur comment says he married his cousin so shouldn't she be his second favorite so oh, yeah is that that's oh, referring is... to marrying emma right well yeah. when he said that emma was passed already so, so at the time but... left yeah <laughs> so before she was his second favorite but then rainies was promoted <laughs> yeah. to favorite cousin after she, uh, she moved up yeah emma's passing <laughs> yeah, it's awkward oh dear <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so yeah i guess we'll look for damon just to start Maybe pecking around the edges, maybe looking at Rhaenyra, and he's going to hear what's happened. Like, he's been out of the loop. I think that's pretty important. Um, 
he doesn't know that she's fallen out with Allison. She doesn't know. He doesn't know a lot of these things. I mean, we know he only got that one letter. And I don't know that many other messengers were excited to deliver other messages to him <laughs> after that. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe. So I, I think he's probably out of the loop. It's possible that. Rainey's has been keeping an eye on what's going on, passing that info to Corlys, and Corlys is passing that to Damon. But I got to feel he's missing a lot of the nuance, if not a lot of the big events that's happened the last three, three and a half years uh, while he's been away at war. So he's got to catch up, and that's going to provide him opportunities to make some moves. So let's talk a little more about that. Here's what Fire and Blood has to say about how he spends time with Rhaenyra. It's a little more than uh, just hanging out with your favorite niece, isn't it? It seems um, seems to have a, a purpose in mind, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Here's a shot of them uh, chatting alone to frame the quote. <laughs> Damon spent long hours in her company, enthralling her with tales of his journeys and battles. He gave her pearls and silks and books and a JTR said once to have belonged to the Empress of Leng. Read poems to her, dined with her, hawked with her, sailed with her, entertained her by making mock of the greens at court, the lickspittles fawning over Queen Alicent and her children. He praised her beauty, declaring her to be the fairest maid in all the Seven Kingdoms. Uncle and niece began to fly together almost daily, racing Cyrax against Caraxes to Dragonstone and back. So I think what this partly sets up is that Rainier is just no one is good enough for her. Uh, no one is her peer. Maybe it isn't good enough isn't the right word, but no one is really her peer. She doesn't have things in common with all these other lords she's been set up, whether it's Storm's End, whether it's Jason Lannister and his ridiculous bragging. Uh, it's None of these are really clicking for her. But her uncle, as <laughs> creepy as the incest angle is, does have a lot in common with her. He's got a dragon. He's got a similar family history, and he knows... Her, he knows what she likes and how to talk to her, and you know that they've they've got groundwork already. I, I like that Jade Tiara thing that, that belonged to the Empress of Lang. I feel like this Valyrian steel necklace was kind of the stand-in for that, and she's still wearing mm -hmm. it. And I noticed in, in one other reviewer, I forget who it was, pointed out that the 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 braid on the back of her hair had the same pattern as that Valyrian steel necklace, like the in and out loop, which is pretty cool, a nice detail. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you notice something that's a little different that Otto would have been stripped of his, uh, hand ship by now in fire and blood. Mm -hmm. And of course would return. We can sort of see some of the same things being set up. We, I, I wonder if Otto will be dismissed or not. I think he probably mm. will be, but I'm not sure. They are setting Lionel Strong up to be the actual good advisor, and that's who takes over his hand. So that would fit really well. Is that kind of how you see it going as well? And and tell us what else you see from this, this stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, no. Yeah, definitely. I think um, in Fire and Blood, this had, Otto was gone for two years before this event, before Damon came back. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's definitely mentioned that um, Otto was sent away for hectoring the king. <laughs> hectoring. Which is a great word. Yes. Let's call him Hector. We'll just call him Hector from now on. Uh, Hector Hightower. <laughs> Hector Hightower gets sent away because he's just being a major pain in the butt and he won't stop, you know, harassing Viserys about this succession. So we definitely saw that set up, I think, in the last episode where Lionel Strong was the, the just kind of steady voice of reason. He's giving good, good counsel. Otto is just kind of nagging, and Bis uh, Viserys is really aggravated. And, by and Hobart's pushing 
auto and farther. You can see yeah. where some of the other pushing is coming from. Yeah, there's pressure coming at him from, and he's just sending that downstream. So. Yeah, but um, I think you know in the preview it does seem more like Otto is the one bringing the gossip about uh, Rhaenyra and Damon to the king. So you know, I wonder if that could be what leads to him getting fired, oh. or if it's just you know going to be still the same. You know, he just won't let up about the succession. Interesting. And I do think that if he's going to get fired, that this is another thing that obviously has to happen before the big time jump, because you've got to have time for the strong Harrenhal arc to play out. Yeah. And then for Otto Hightower to come back to be there for the last couple of episodes, anyways. Uh, so, you know, there's no reason it couldn't happen late in this episode. But again, if not this episode, definitely, I think by the next one, they definitely have to provide some context for a major break between Rhaenyra and Allison. And, um, you know, Otto's firing could be part of that. Yeah. Uh, the queen gets left without her father, right? Good call. He's been a really major character, though. You know, so I, and he's, he's taking on a lot of the the sort of, pressuring of Viserys about the succession that is Allison in Fire and Blood. Uh, they're doing that in order to keep Allison more sympathetic, which is understandable as I actually enjoy what they're doing with her character. Yeah. But, you know, I think I could see their motivation for keeping Otto around as for as long as possible because yeah. of the way that the two are playing. I, do you think Allison will start switching to start pushing for her kids Sooner or later. I mean, we know it's going to happen. She's going to have to switch. Maybe maybe we have that one shot in this episode where Rhaenyra and Allison are staring each other down a bit. And this could be a lot of things, but maybe this is finally where Allison gives up on her. Uh, is like, all right, I've been I've been work. I've actually been trying to help you behind the scenes. I've been still trying to be your friend. You know, I didn't ask for any of this. I'm I've still tried to be a good friend. I've held the I've kept the torch lit for you, but. It's been at this point, it will have been four years since they're falling out roughly. And Allison may just maybe she's had enough. Maybe she's like, all right, well, yeah, I'm not friends. I'm guessing that Allison's going to believe put some stock into the rumor she's about to hear. Oh, good call. OK, we're going to talk a little bit more about. But that, that would be my guess is that Allison is a good, faithful girl who is not going to be happy to hear about Rhaenyra doing some naughty things. Yeah, because if if <laughs> also because she gets her information about Damon from her father and Otto is the biggest anti-Damon character around <laughs> at this point. So mm-hmm. if she believes her father that Damon would be another Magor. She would be opposed to Rainier marrying him because that would put her children in danger. Whereas before, she's like, oh, if he marries, or if she marries a Jason Lannister or a Boros Baratheon or something like that, my kids probably won't be murdered. You know, she can, she, she can take, she can not have to worry about that. But if Rainier marries Damon and yeah, then that puts her children at risk. So that could be the reason she changes her mind. She's like, okay, well, now I wanted to be your friend, but now I think my kids could die. So <laughs> we, <laughs> that's a huge change, right? Like nothing would make you change your mind quicker than a threat to your children, I would think. So that could be a big Fair. problem. Any, any take on that, Lady Gwen? Does that make sense to you? 
Oh yeah, definitely. You know, there's like I said, there's there's something happening in this episode or the next one that's got to cause a major a major rift. So maybe a combination of many things. Yeah, at- Rhaenyra's continued disagree disagreeability. <laughs> <laughs> something. Yeah, all those things that we've talked about. I think Damon is like the wedge here, like the the thing that the things have been deteriorating, and Damon, for mm-hmm. his own reasons, could put the uh, acceleration to that. He could say, hey, look, these two are, their relationship is fraying. Why don't I push that a little farther? And you see that in the quote that you read, how he mocked the Greens on her behalf, you know, to get in. It's like, she wants to hear that. He's like, yeah, I'm going to make fun of the people that you hate. And we have that in common, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So I I see that could just make things worse. It's pretty straightforward in that sense. A comment from Cameron, who says the ninth and tenth episodes are called The Green Council and The Black Queen. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I had kind of forgotten about that. It, it might, yeah, that might indicate that they really are going to use those phrases yeah. directly. But that still it doesn't... Could just be a title yeah. as well. It's um. just a, yeah, it is just a title. That's funny, because uh, speaking of our Dance of the Dragons coverage, we loved those chess metaphors as well. <laughs> Black Queen. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. we were all about that. Yep. Works well. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about Secrets of the Red Keep. I think that this is an interesting under-the-radar aspect of things. Back in episode one, when Damon was spying on the small council, that's basically using the secret passages in the Red Keep, like Avaris or someone like that, just learning about where the passages are and not currently in a in a regime where no one else seems to know about them. There's no Master or Whisper, so there's no one doing that, like, that's kind of interesting. Obviously, Varus is our best example, but Arya as well has been down there, and clearly other Master of Whispers, Magor the Cruel had them built. It wasn't even that long ago, and that's one of the interesting little comparisons between Magor and Damon is this control of the Red Keep secret passageways. So I think that when we have this this picture here, this image of Damon like with his cowl, maybe sneaking around, he's outside, so that maybe means he wasn't using passages but something's up like he's obviously trying to be undetected like this is a guy who usually walks around boldly like hey i'm prince damon notice me so at night with a cow that looks like sneaky man and that makes me think of the passages in the red keep and whatever he might be up to here uh so what do you think about this lady going we think about the secret passages and and damon sneaking around and, and what do you think this means mm-hmm. oh i think it's a good point that that's probably where he was in that in that first episode uh sneaking around maybe i think he you know there's definitely going to be a bit of sneaking around with Rainier. yeah that's that's probably the main thing so uh, Hmm. that is the main thing uh you mentioned master whispers i wanted to ask you a question or bring up a, a subject because uh myceria who eventually will be something resembling the mistress of whispers Really got left hanging after episode two. We don't really know where she went, what she's doing. Uh, she was ordered to do one thing, but we don't know that she actually did that. So what do, you, do you think she's going to be back? Will we, are we going to see her again this season? In Fire and Blood, she did go away after Dragonstone and did not return until a lot later, which basically would keep her off screen until season two at least. But based on how they established her character so far, especially in interviews with Sonoya Mizuno, I really don't think the show's going to leave her 
off screen for that long after just a few short scenes. Uh, so yeah. I, I expect to see her again. What do you guys? Yeah, think? I would say I definitely expect to see her again. I will. I also agree that she did just kind of get left hanging. Like Damon leaves, and it's like, well, she didn't go on campaign with him. Did she go back to King's Landing? Does she own one of those establishments? That's kind of my impression. She did that, own that one, so I think she, she just owns one. She hers. goes back to her job. Yeah, maybe. Um, so and so too. my guess is that maybe in this episode, if Damon and Rhaenyra actually do go to mm. a, a a brothel, if they actually go somewhere. Maybe they go to Mazaria's. Oh, Maybe yeah. we see her yeah. there. Maybe she doesn't even speak or isn't really featured, but we see her and know that this is her place, her establishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and g- given what you said, Lady Gwen, it's a good point because why did they bother to change those details about her if they weren't going to do something with that, right? Like the way she's written in the book, it would have made more sense to leave her off because she just goes to Pentos where she's gone for a while and they okay well that makes sense she's off screen in Pentos but you're right she does there's no, no mention of that here she does own a brothel where she didn't in Fire and Blood apparently so yeah she probably just is hanging out at King's Landing but I'm curious I, I, I'll, I'll guess we will see her again the season two to maybe set something up because also it would be a little weird for her just to appear and be master whisper so yeah maybe a little more sneaking around maybe yeah. something to, to yeah, show guess, us yeah i'm curious if we'll see her around while damon is married to lena or while he is married to mm-hmm. rainera there's multiple relationships that damon has that we just don't know what they truly thought of his relationship with mazaria yeah and i also just wonder how he leaves things with his Valarian allies. I mean, he comes on the scene and got his hammer and his, you know, acclaim gives up his crown. But yeah, what are the Valarians doing? You know, do they just go back to Driftmark and okay, we got, we got that settled with the stepstones. Uh, it probably isn't that simple. <laughs> I mean, Corlys is ambitious. <laughs> He's right. got his shipping lanes open again. Maybe he wants to get back on the small council, but that's his spot's been taken by Sir Tyland. He's not really in the trailer, so maybe this is an ep- a Valarian free episode. But I think Damon would at least mention him, or maybe maybe we get a scene with him. Maybe we get the long-awaited and expected uh, Lena mounting Vagar. That would be a chance to see Driftmark. Mm-hmm. That could be this episode. Um, and he, it seems like it will either be this one or next one, right? <laughs> like it, I don't yes. think that it, it doesn't seem like it will be after the time jump. So. Um, mm. Any guesses whether it'll be this episode or next episode? Any any strong feelings one way or the other? Do you think Teen Lena will be the one to? I, yeah, it will. It will be Teen Lena. I, I we can confirm that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's where I think it's you know it's got to be four or five because Lena has been cast three times, child, <laughs> teen, and adult, and obviously after episode five they're going to move to adult Lena. I would assume. So you know, Vagar's been teased enough, and Lena. It's just, you know, they're they're setting it up, obviously. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a very quick sort of scene showing this, her claiming Vagar in this episode. Maybe just on the way out. Yeah, I wouldn't. Setting up, setting up something for the next episode. It could be probably a three-minute scene. And even three minutes doesn't sound mm-hmm. very long, but it would it'd be a long three minutes if we had Vagar on screen. <laughs> and we, oh. <laughs> it'd be so cool. We know it's coming. We know it's coming. There's that yes. trailer of Vagar leaping off that castle embankment or old ruin i don't know what that is but it looks sweet and i hope we get it tomorrow but if not we'll most certainly get it uh, in eight days so 
Mm-hmm. Can't be too far off. Vagar is coming. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we're excited. <laughs> Philosophy nerd lady says, I wonder if Mazari is mad enough at Damon to be the one to spy on him for Otto. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's no hint of her betraying him in Fire and Blood that I can recall, but that this is a changed character. I mean, not like massively changed, but significantly well, changed. I will say there's no hint of it in Fire and Blood in House of the Dragon at Mazaria's party. Otto ends up hearing the air for a day comment. How did he hear that? Good so point. which points to the idea that even if it wasn't Mazaria, that there's people that are gossiping and, and sharing info someone. about Damon yeah. that are, go to this uh, establishment. Good point. Mm. There is some information going back and forth, especially if we expect that it's going to be Otto bringing up this rumor, uh, presumably about mm-hmm. Damon and Rainier. I mean, it might not be Damon and Rainier. It could be Rainier and Kristen Cole or something like that, but it's probably Damon and Rainier. Yeah, g- gathering we saw, we see both Damon and Rainier in ca- hooded cowls in the dark, and then we see their hands together. Yeah. Um, I think it seems pretty um, clear to me. Of course, again, Kristen is her, her king's guard, so you would think that, you know, he might notice that she's gone or yeah. there in some way. Because that or if, does not make him look good to have the princess disappear under his watch. Again, that's why the passages in the Red Keep could be relevant. Because he could be standing outside her door and she could go get away without him knowing and then get back in her room oh. also without him knowing. And then and then if someone says, hey, we heard this about Rhaenyra, he's going to be like, I was guarding her room. She didn't leave once. And so he might feel particularly betrayed yeah. um, as having lied for her. In Fire and Blood, I think it's... Sir Eric or Sir Eric, I can never remember which is which, who discovers something mm-hmm. and that it's one of those many sources moments. Uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's discuss that real quickly. Um, but first, a couple of random questions here, uh, to think about. These aren't questions that we need answers on, just things that come up in Fire and Blood that we wonder whether they'll make the show or at all or in just a different capacity. For example, will Breakbones be a gold cloak captain? That's uh, he, He's clearly been introduced. He The way he smiled at Rhaenyra means they're, <laughs> they're going that route, which makes, of course, they should. That's the father of her children, or some of them anyway. So that would be a weird thing to cut, but, you know, we wanted to see how that gets set up. So maybe some of that happens this episode. Maybe after Damon gets kicked away, kicked out for his issues, that's when Breakbones and or Kristen Cole business starts happening which maybe that'll be next episode so um no no need to answer just uh throwing that out there for all y'all to think about and another one that question i have is recalio rendoon he's who comes in and takes the stepstones when damon is uh distracted back in westeros i'm guessing they won't bother with that right away but they might introduce him next season uh, it's one of those things like where casting is an issue they don't want to cast a character just to have him on screen for two seconds it's like the beric dondarian thing where the actor that Agreed, the character, the Beric Dondarian's like, yes, I'll go hunt Gregor Clegane, but that wasn't the Beric Dondarian actor that appeared for all the other seasons. Uh, Richard, what was his name? That guy was great. But yeah, <laughs> he wasn't the one in the throne room scene when Ned get, tasked him to go track down Gregor. So it's pr- probably a similar scenario where if they're going to introduce Rakalio Rendoon, it'll be by name only. Uh, mm. the actual actor won't appear till next year, but I'm curious about that. Certainly, surely there won't be another battle on the Stepstones this year. I, I really, <laughs> I really don't see that happening. Mm. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to this idea of Damon getting caught while we can. 
So yeah, thinking back to the scenes we saw in the season previews, uh, there's that moment where Damon is tossed to the ground and Viserys is clearly mad. He holds the cat's paw dagger that was promised. Uh, I've got a lot of names for that dagger. To his neck. That's almost certainly a related moment. Uh, so this is probably, yeah, him getting caught with Rhaenyra or caught with rumors about Rhaenyra. <laughs> probably won't just be rumors, but... <laughs> So yeah, this is where the sources diverge. Eustace says they slept together after he seduced her. She claimed she was in love with him after that. Uh, Mushroom says Damon was teaching Rhaenyra how to seduce Kristen Cole, which is, that's a really interesting one because to me that always thought that was a way for Damon to get back at Kristen Cole or to get him out of the way or I don't know, but it seemed like a way to put the blame on him because Rhaenyra can't get in as much trouble as Kristen Cole, obviously. Rhaenyra would just be scolded and sent to her room. Kristen Cole would be, like, executed, you know, or sent to the wall. So <laughs> it's a huge difference. So Damon might know what he's doing. If that's the route they decide to go, he wants to pin something on someone else. So uh, here's a quote you found that is very relevant here, given the way that they appear to be sneaking around. So why don't you read this for us? Yeah, it's uh, it's from Mushroom's account says at night he would smuggle her from her rooms dressed as a page boy and take her secretly to brothels on the street of silk where the princess would observe men and women in the act of love and learn more of these womanly arts from the harlots of king's landing that does sound like teaching her how to seduce someone right um, may, i mean and maybe it's teaching her how to seduce him but that's a little weird uh, I mean, the whole thing's a little weird, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. What do you, how do you interpret this? Do you, how, how do you lean? Like before the show, did you have a way, did you have a account that you favored here? And do you think that's the one that's coming into focus or, or how do you see this playing out uh, based on your expectations versus what we've seen? I think it's more, you know, it's kind of going to be a combination. I think it's worth emphasizing again that Mushroom, however crazy his story sounds, insists that Damon and Rhaenyra did nothing together, that she was, you know, she was saving herself for Kristen Cole. Uh, uh, when someone reports that Rhaenyra and Damon are lost to Sir Otto, which like you said, what, it was Sir Eric Cargill uh, who was telling the king directly. Um, the truth is actually more, you know, on the mushroom spectrum, I think. That's maybe what we're going to get. Um, I think we should be eyeing Rhaenyra's relationship with Kristen Cole. Yes. In other words, uh, I mean, I could, s- Damon kind of, you know, whatever he's doing, you know, being party uncle with Renero, <laughs> or who knows, who knows what's happening there. But I definitely could see him taking the blame for something he didn't do or mm. being blamed for something he didn't do uh, simply because he did other bad things as well, which seems to me to be very nuanced and yeah. in keeping with the way they've been portraying him so far. It's pretty similar to the toasting um, thing with the Balon, the Balon toasting. Yeah, mm, exactly. Good call. So, you know, yeah, so I think, you know, if they go the route of him taking the blame, it could play out something uh, like the scene that is reported by Mushroom where he said to his brother, give the girl to me to wife. Who else would take her now? At which point, Pisaris just said, Maybe that's when the um, when the dagger scene happens, and then he gets sent into exile. Uh, he's told never to return to the Seven Kingdoms on pain of death. Mm. Uh, so yeah. here's some here's a twist with that, which is that he definitely attends 
Rhaenyra and Lenor's wedding, which has to be in the next two episodes. <laughs> we see him at the high table. Like, he's even, like, mm-hmm. beating his hand on the table in time with the music. Like, he's really having a good time. So, that has to... So, maybe the exiling isn't quite as intense or maybe the punishment isn't quite a bit but it's still it's hard to figure because like you said he gets really mad we see him hold the dagger to his throat he gets really really mad so and if they're following and they have followed book canon pretty well on these major events so yeah i really wonder how they're in one episode they have to have this come to a head and damon has to be brought back into the fold somehow to be back at the high table and attending the wedding so if he, I, I'm not sure it'll be full exile, given how he quickly was, he returns. He was invited to the wedding on the Valarian side. The Targaryens didn't invite him. <laughs> Corlys did. He was a guest of Laenor. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I mean, honestly, like, maybe it was just yeah. that simple that Laenor's like, no, no, I want my bro there at the wedding. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think it's true. If the wedding's on Driftmark. You know, he was. he's obviously been welcome on Driftmark, so... Maybe it goes like this. Maybe he gets kicked out, but then goes and marries Lena. And mm-hmm. be, and Ray Royce may die. I mean, because Ray Royce should die any minute now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His bronze bitch will pass. Yeah. That'll, that's got to happen. She's riding her. What did she do? She fell off Yeah, she horse. fell off her horse. Maybe we'll have like a two-minute scene where we're just like, oh, we're in the veil with a lady riding a horse. Oh, we know what's going to happen here. She's going to fall. And that's that. Yeah, it's a quick... I don't know if they'll yeah, I wonder if they'll just tell us off screen. Yeah, I wonder if they'll want to show it off screen or on screen to make people theorize or not. Oh, to make people like, think, they, yeah, he did it or yeah. like it was a murder. Yeah, yeah. if you see it happen, mm-hmm. well, you could see it happen in a way that makes it look like murder. But if yeah. you, there are also ways to show it where it would clearly just be an accident. Yeah, exactly. So if they don't want people to, if they're like, no, we don't want you theorizing that Damon killed his wife, then maybe they show it happen so that yeah. that, it, you know, but I, I feel like they're not, um, I don't think there's any reason they would not want people to theorize about that being a possibility. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be even hinted at in Fire and Blood that he did that. Like, he just stays away from the veil and he doesn't really have friends there. It didn't seem like something he would do, like he could arrange, but. It's possible. So I, I would guess no on that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, yeah, he did that or made it look like mm-hmm. that. Um, so maybe that's another angle here is that he goes, marries Lena, and that is what Viserys is. OK, you're now you're married to Lena. You're not going to this whole Rainier business is definitely in the past. Viserys is quick to forgive, I suppose. And. Maybe bringing, like, kind of like what Shea said, and it wasn't a condition of, <laughs> of the marriage that that they invite him. But if he's on their team and Viserys wants to mend the fences and bring the Valarians back in with this big marriage and this big celebration, it would be fitting, especially going into the break, going into the long time jump, having everything look fairly copacetic with maybe some hints towards what could go wrong i guess and then after the time jump things really come to a head i mean if i would guess that i i would think that damon and lena are not married at the wedding and that damon marries lena after the wedding okay that that's just me my theory about that partially because when we see the valarians all arrive for the wedding damon isn't like he's already there, there. Yeah. he's there he's just sitting at the table lena is arriving with lenor and rainy's like good point. he's not part of the valerian family arrival well do you have a thought then on how damon is back 
in Viserys's good graces so quickly then? I, I really think that it might just be that it isn't really as much about Viserys's good graces, that it is that this is Rhaenyra and Lenor's wedding, and so it isn't Viserys's wedding in King's Landing. Hmm. So like, I, I, that, that's my thought is that Viserys doesn't need to technically approve. Well, he would need to approve of his presence if he's exiled from the realm. He wouldn't be allowed there at all, mm-hmm. but I guess maybe he just isn't exiled. Maybe that's yeah, it. Yeah. They just, he's, he, he might punished. be exiled from King's Landing or something like okay. that. He might say, get out of my city or something, okay, but that, not from Westeros. That would mm-hmm. make sense. Exiled from court could make more yeah. sense than exiled from the entire entire continent. That that might be a way to, to make that work. Anyway, I think we spent enough time on that. We'll just wait and see how it actually plays out. It definitely seems to be a, a small conundrum, but I'm sure they I'm sure they have got a plan. Uh, so let's see. Moving on here. So either way, though, in Fire and Blood, it's similar. Like, this whole episode is pretty quick. Damon returns and isn't there very long before he gets sent away. We'll just, we'll be more vague about mm. it this time. He does technically return to the Stepstones in Fire and Blood, um... I'm guessing that's not what happens this time. Maybe he, yeah, returns to Driftmark or something um, where he has his allies. <laughs> that would make mm-hmm. sense. And if, uh, or maybe he goes back to Ray Royce. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe Damon orders him to return to his wife and he actually goes this time. Viserys. And then she dies. Or, and then. Viserys orders him. What did I say? Damon. Oh, yeah. Him. Damon orders himself to go. Yeah. He's like, I command me to go to the Vale. And be with my wife, whom I hate. Yes, <laughs> I really hope I we see Rhea Royce. I like. There's been theories. Well, there's been speculation that there was someone cast that people think is Rhea Royce. It looks like Rhea Royce to me. The costuming looks like her, but it's just not confirmed. Mm. And so I would love mm. to actually see that. Plus, I mean, as we've seen, scenes are deleted. So even if someone was cast and was in it, we shouldn't count that as a hundred percent that we'll see that person. Mm. Mm-hmm. But. I would like to. So another angle to the exile as to what triggers it. There's another line from Fire and Blood here, just a one-liner. Others assert that it was at Queen Alicent's urging that Viserys sent Daemon away, which could be a spark for more issues between Alicent and Rhaenyra if she finds that out. Like, you sent away my favorite uncle. I was having fun with him. How, you know, (laughs) you ruined my fun again, you former best friend. Uh, So connecting it to Allison is also connecting it to Otto. If they're, if Otto wants something to happen and he's not getting his way, he might be like, Hey daughter, convince the King that this needs to happen. We've seen that a few times already. Like mm-hmm. as in starting with him, her getting in his, getting close to him and marrying him and all. So that was obviously, obviously that was Otto. I figured out why idea. Damon will get sent away for real. Why's that? It's because he's going to sleep with Allison. And <laughs> obviously, that's how Amond is born. It's the timing's perfect. He's back just in time. Helena's born. What a Allison's twist. about to get pregnant. <laughs> that would make Viserys mad, too. They'd be like, you slept with my wife. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Don't yeah, think so. Don't yikes. think so. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, yeah, this street performer thing, this is something really interesting. That's a big part of the trailer. It's like half of the trailer is this street performer talking, and that's something that's super interesting. It's a really great storytelling device isn't it lady gwen you you wrote a, a few things here take it away yeah so we get voiceover this guy saying who will it be the brother the daughter or the little of three which number one is exactly the sort of thing that's going to aggravate viserys because he's already shown himself to be very short fused about all his politicking 
Uh, in episode three, it literally drove him to drink. Yeah. Not to mention shouting, shouting at his hand and his daughter in public or sort of in public in front of a lot of people anyways. Uh, so, you know, this is not going to contribute anything to Damon's cause or anyone's cause, really. But as a device, street performers, uh, I found this very interesting because George uses this a lot to show discontent uh, or conflict among the small folk. We got Tanzel Tutal and Duncan Egg with her puppet show. Uh, the puppeteers True. that Cersei has arrested in A Feast for Crows, and not to mention the con- sort of constant focus on mummers and their dragons in, in the main series. Marillion. Yeah, like there's, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's, it's, there's, it's used a lot. And um, this the man is juggling fire or doing some sort of fire magic. And mm-hmm. I thought that that could be a nice nod to a magician that Danny sees in Karth in A Storm oh, of Swords. Yeah. His fire magic is credited for uh, to the rebirth of her dragon. Yeah. We, you know, in the same book, we have the um, the pyromancers telling Tyrion that you know Are there fire dragons? magic kind of yeah. went when the dragons <laughs> died. It went from the world. So, I wondered if this is a subtle way of showing that when dragons were very much alive, this sort of thing was sort of commonplace. You've got a guy out in the street doing fire magic, and it, you know, and it's just interesting the norm. That's you know, a really good more call, of that yeah. lore. Yeah. Bringing in the good lore, and you're totally right about how that how he's had a short fuse about this. He it's it's more and more clear that he doesn't really have much patience for ruling at all. I mean, he does it mm-hmm. like every, almost everything he does as king is begrudging, unless it's feasts and balls and tourneys, and even some of those he he's not super thrilled with at the hunt. He didn't really <laughs> like the hunt that much. <laughs> he wasn't having a yeah. good time. <laughs> Which, much politicking. Yeah, because of the, <laughs> partly because of the politicking, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm... And hunting. Yeah, and the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, yeah, it's, it's just him. So that is... And he does nothing to stop these things from happening. He doesn't do anything to enforce her claim he sort of gives her some advice. He did give her good advice at the end of the last episode. You can give him a, a little bit of credit for that. Well, a lot of credit for that. It's just you also take a lot of credit back for a lot of his other actions, I guess, depending on whether you want to do the Stannis school of thought where the good and bad categories are separate or if you want to just put it all into a ball and combine it into a a, a view of, of his character. Either way... Yeah, it's, it's. I wonder if he'll get upset. If this is the kind of thing where, well, I'm not gonna get up in my lord's faces because I don't have the patience for that. But street performers, you know, <laughs> I can make an example out of him, you know, and that might be a way, f- and that would be kind of dark for Viserys to do that. But you know, he's a very gray character, so we might see something like that, or maybe Otto, maybe Otto will push for that not the execution of street performers but of he knows Viserys would be upset by this and maybe this is his way to like push the issue a little indirectly Uh, because we know I see him bringing this yeah yeah um, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say real quick, Otto, because Otto understands that you can't force Viserys to do things. He's the like you gotta make him think it's his idea, yeah. And so he's gonna try a lot of indirect approaches. But yeah, so what were you gonna say? Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna, exactly oh. like I could see him bringing this and manipulating Viserys by telling him this story and maybe dropping a comment that you know this sort this sort of thing has been happening ever since your brother came back. Um... You know, maybe if we got rid of your brother. 
That makes They'd sense. Stop having these conversations, which irritate you. Yeah, you know, you're right. And no one wants Otto, no one wants him gone more than Otto. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe one or two others, exactly. but Otto's the most mm-hmm. powerful by by far. <laughs> People who want him gone. Mm-hmm. So, mm, yes, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I'm very curious about that. Let's talk about Rhaenyra at Storm's End. That's and there's a notable shot of her again looking really uninterested. <laughs> <laughs> like, do I have to look at that face? That is, <laughs> she's really good at making that face. Look at O'Shea zooming in on those eyes. Like, Millie Alcock is so good. It's hard. To, I, I just, I have not. It isn't settled in my brain that we only get two more episodes of her, which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> I know <laughs> that she's it's so yeah. good. I know it's unlikely, but I have some small hope that they'll be like, oh, these young actresses were so popular. Let's do a little a little flashback in season two as a treat. That would be you so know? cool. Like, I wouldn't <laughs> expect nice. much of it, but I, 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 it would be so nice to just get a, a little a little bit more in the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. Last episode, we talked about how this is an, uh, not an uncommon look for her these days and how that good advice Viserys gave her is, well, it's good advice. She needs to stop treating potential allies like with contempt even if she doesn't want to marry lord baratheon she should still be nice to him or oh not lord baratheon in this case this, she's not going to marry him baratheon. it's her son boros yeah this is boromund so, so that's i guess that's boros right there yeah, yeah. And facing her i'm curious i'm curious if she'll only see baratheon suitors at storm's end or if Oh. Multiple suitors will come to her at Storm's End, including a Baratheon. Now, my question is: Is he bona fide? <laughs> bona fide. <laughs> He's a suitor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what is that? Um, oh, brother, where art thou? Reference there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I love. Com- I love anything that combines Greek myth with other stuff and hey you know <laughs> like that <laughs> last week we compared damon to achilles here we have odysseus thrown in the mix <laughs> here we go uh, so yeah so she if, if her expression is into any indication she hasn't learned from that lesson yet she's gonna upset the brathians which i'm guessing is set up for the awful thing that happens at storm's end in, in the last episode this year which boros will be like she was rude to me. Screw her. I'm siding with Amond here. And that leads to Vagar and Arax, which is probably one of the last scenes we get this season. So I put it in the notes. I have Vagar versus Arax, but it's really versus Arax because it's not really a contest, is it? It's not a contest. <laughs> it's a slaughter. Yeah, it'll be, yeah. yeah, a slaughter. Yes, yeah, a single dragon, single rider massacre. And so that's a huge consequence. I think this is set up, which is cool because that's not. Super set up in Fire and Blood. It just Baratheon's just prideful and upset with the situation, and it makes sense. It fits fine, but this is this. I think this is mm. might be even better with a little setup. So yeah. So uh, let's see. So do we think mm. we'll actually see Rhaenyra be rude, or do you think she'll just be like cold and not interested? Uh, like Rhaenyra has I mean, been a little sulky and teenage. Like I could see her yeah. insulting this kid. I, I I could see it. 
I think so. Yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think contempt. I mean, you can see kind of see it on her face already. Yeah. She's like, "Who is this stupid kid?" Like <laughs> she's so not interested. <laughs> they, they captured the perfect expression do you on her think, face. <laughs> so you think that this happens to start off the episode, and then she sails home mm. and is like, "Oh, Damon's back. That's yes. my guy. I really he's want. who I want." Yeah, because that that would set up be set up better than the other way around. You know, well, I like, feel like the other way around would work too because she could have experienced like, "Oh, this is the wide world. Now I'm back." to doing this stupid Ooh, stuff as well. Yeah, like Viserys pushes it even harder, like sends Damon yeah. away and is like, all right, we really got to get you married now, now because of like, this. <laughs> so yeah. sends him off. <laughs> so I feel like it could work either way, personally. Um, and if Damon gets sent to... Like, it could be... The dragon arriving could be Damon arriving back to King's Landing, but it could also be Damon leaving because they sent him away. It almost feels like she's touring or uh, touring all the different characters that will be her enemies. Like <laughs> the Lannisters, the Baratheons, like the big houses, the high towers are already there, obviously. But mm-hmm. it's kind of like just one by one, <laughs> the setup for who her enemies will be later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as well right. as who her allies will be. Yeah, Lady Gwynne grabbed a quote here about some other potential suitors that we could see. Yeah, Lady Gwynne, tell us what you think about some of this stuff and, and some of the stuff you pulled as well. This is good stuff. Yeah, um, obviously Rhaenyra has to marry someone is a major theme. And, um, you know, last episode we had Jason and Tylan Lannister who were uh, noted in Fire and Blood to have fought a duel or something. They fought each other. I'm not sure if it was an actual duel as their twin brothers, but uh, some somehow they fought each other over her. Uh, but how about these guys? In Fire and Blood it says, In 112 the sons of Lord Bracken and Lord Blackwood fought a duel over her. And a younger son of House Frey made so bold bold as to ask openly for her hand. Fool Frey, he was called thereafter. Uh, then we there's a shot in the preview of some sort of a thin young man facing Viserys, hmm. who is saying on the voiceover, "Your courtship is at an end." And I, oh, I don't know who that <laughs> is, but I could not help but think of poor Fool Frey. Um, you know, we only see him briefly from the back. But, he uh, ends up being a pretty big know, supporter for her later. He sticks with her, right? He's he, he does. He ascends the, to the Lord phrase, and... or or his sister. Well, his sister does, anyways. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Bracken and Blackwood, um, the, the sons. Obviously, uh, the Brackens do not support her. The Blackwoods do. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that if someone wins that duel, it's probably the son of Lord Blackwood. Not that he won any particular prize for it. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, is, I mean, did you, you know, said we, his, his sister, uh, isn't it? His, his wife. Sister? Oh no, that's his wife. Yeah, his wife. I just, I just had Sabitha. to check that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes, no, that was a viper Frey, Frey. She's a she's Sabitha. a viper. Yeah, originally. Yes. But yeah, anyways, yes. But yeah, Forest Frey is is his name, and and um, yes, yes, yeah. We're well. That would be not this one though, because yeah, is that Forest Frey? Forest Frey is full Frey. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, he is. It says he's a younger son. He well, has, no, but he's that's he become... early because by the time he comes along later, he's Lord. By the time yeah. the war breaks out, he's become Lord. Yeah, exactly. So his, his older, older brother must have died. Yeah. yeah, at some point died. he yeah. he becomes Lord. Absolutely. Um, okay. I didn't catch that till my most recent re-listen either. I was like, oh, that is the same guy. Yeah, for it's Forrest because yeah, they keep calling him Fool Frey, so you lose track of what his real name is. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yeah Forrest Fool. Yeah. Um, Can't see the forest yeah. for the fools. Yeah. yeah and you noted here that the lannister trips kind of done differently we thought it would be a lannister trip we predicted they would go west i was a little fooled by all the red outfits every time i see red i'm like well because red on black we think black fire but that is that's obviously irrelevant at this point there's no black fires 
She mentions in the last episode that she went to Casterly Rock with her mother, which is obviously a made up thing for the show. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's the stand in for her going to Casterly Rock. Yeah, I guess you're right. And, and seeing this Jason and Tylen fighting for, you know, fighting for her hand. And so I think in the show, the Storm's End trip, which is not mentioned in Fire and Blood, is probably filling in for that. It's an mm. opportunity to show her traveling around, trying to pick someone to marry. Uh, other than Baratheons, Shay was just talking about this, too. I, I don't know who she could possibly be meeting down there because Fire and Blood mentions Tully's, Tyrell's, O'Cart's, Tarly's, uh, even the Prince of Dorne, but hmm. no other notable Stormlanders. I yeah, that is interesting. That Storm's End trip is probably just a single focus. I wonder if it's just right exactly. after the hunt, if she just heads south rather than before going home or something like that. Um, maybe mm-hmm. that's... We don't see the full reaction to her return to camp. Like, I mean, we see their re- immediate reaction. Like, everybody's staring at her in different ways and, and getting more attention and turning heads and all. But it's... Then they are just back at Red... No, I guess they do go back to the Red Keep. Yeah, because she, she, that's when Rhaenyra gets told, you need to, you know, look at a potential husband as an ally. So they do go mm-hmm. back. So it must be, yeah. yeah. So I guess I guess this is just a separate trip. Anyway, all this is... We know where this is all going eventually. She's going to marry Lenor, And given that Millie Alcock is the actress for the marriage, for the wedding. This has to happen in two episodes. She has to marry Lenor this episode or next. I'm guessing next. It probably won't be this one. But the setup for it most certainly will happen. Um, I, I kind of doubt she'll... That'll all happen in one episode. Although it has been set up a little bit. The suggestion's been made in multiple places. Mm. Um, y- but you noticed something in Fire and Blood about this as well, didn't you? In Fire and Blood, they, you know, this it was the small council, obviously uh, similar to this initial suggestion being made by Lionel Strong, yeah. which made this decision that, that the princess has to marry Lane or Valerian, which is going to be an interesting twist if, you know, if all of a sudden they show up and the king shows up ordering Rhaenyra to marry Lane or Valerian because in the end of the last episode, he told her she could make her own choice. Yep. Uh, yep. Is he going to so go back on that? He might. He might indeed. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, she refuses initially because of the rumors of Lanor's orientation. She says, he, you know, my brothers might be more to his taste. Obviously in the book, her brothers are a bit older. There's less of an age gap, but it eventually does come down to this ultimatum of marry Lanor or lose her position as heir one thing i wonder about i that's all obviously what you said is accurate for book canon i'm really wondering though because there's something that throws me off here is that she looks genuinely happy in the wedding scenes mm-hmm. that we get shots of like she that's a real big I mean, especially now that i'm more confident of that now that i've seen how good of an actress millie alcock is and how well she expresses herself through her expression so it's just i mean Maybe I'm wrong, but she looks kind of happy there. Or maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe I'm remembering wrong. But but she seemed like there were some genuine smiles in that scene, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering correctly. I mean, she looks the best she's ever looked. Of course she's happy. She's <laughs> she does look fantastic. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, she, might just be enjoy- yeah. she might just be enjoying the big party. She might be happy to have her position confirmed. I'm to guessing have, that- To have a husband that isn't going to push her. She might be having a little flirt going on with someone and- at the yeah. feast. So she, she might have other things going on. I'm guessing she doesn't know about his orientation. I'm okay. guessing she's not going to find out till after. I'm, I'm guessing that's how they're going to handle after. it. Yeah. I'm guessing the audience will know. They're going to show something. Uh, uh, they, there's been a few 
trailer um, shots uh, well in advance of this episode, like preseason, that showed Lenor in like his quarters, maybe arguing with someone or fighting with somebody. And I think that might be this episode where we see, oh, because the audience has no idea. Like the general audience, there's right. not a single clue that this guy's gay. So that's got to be set up. And I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna say I think Lena. I, I'm I'm gonna say I think Rhaenyra goes into this marriage knowing. Okay. Okay. Just for, yeah. Just totally. Entirely possible. Either way, mm-hmm. I do. You, what do you think? We'll see. The audience will be informed one way or the other ahead of time, whether whether mm-hmm. or not she is. Yeah, I think one way or another, the audience will know when this wedding happens that Lenor is gay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but and I and I would like I I I guess my choice to have Rhaenyra know is just that I would like it if that was a marriage of convenience and utility for them both. If they enter this, if they go to this wedding thinking we're each gonna do our own thing, we need to get married to make everyone happy. I don't want to be with you. You don't want to be with me. But this is a good situation for us. Like I I would like it if it was yeah. that. Rather than, oh, Rhaenyra's really actually is into Lenor and then she gets betrayed and she's mad and hurt. Like, that might be the more, more drama, but I, I, mm. I, I just lean one way over the other. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Do we still think that Joffrey Lonmouth will be killed at the wedding, like in the books? That's a, a oh. that'll be an interesting thing to have if they don't have a tournament. Or a melee. I don't think he'll get killed might. at the wedding. I guess we know he'll be at. We know he's there at the wedding. And he was introduced. If you didn't, if you didn't catch that, folks, he was one of the warriors there. He's the one who pulls Damon off of poor Sir Adam mm-hmm. the Messenger, <laughs> or rather, he pulls. So if, rather, he pulls Sir Adam away from Damon rather than pulling on. He, he does. <laughs> if you have watched it with subtitles on, he's identified as Joffrey Valerian, which might have had mm-hmm. you scratching your head a little bit. Oh, it actually said Valerian. Oops. Valerian. Yeah, Lonmouth. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. It's just, um, but he's definitely Joffrey Lonmouth. Yeah. They, I wonder if they fixed that. There's this, the subtitle. Sometimes they, you know, the spelling is wrong. I, for example, on the Rings of Power show, it said Harold Elrond, where like Harold as if his first name was Harold. Instead of a herald of like herald. a messenger, herald. you know, yeah, like oh, my name yeah. is Harold Elrond. You're like, no, he's that's his yeah. title, yo. So, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, yeah, subtitles get wrong that way. That, that happens. Just been a few things, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll fix it. I, a lot of people saw it, so yeah. uh, it was it was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But, so, what you know, do you think? I guess. Well, I guess my question though, Lady Gwyn, is you haven't weighed in. Do you think? Do you, what do you think, and what do you want? Do you yeah. want Lena to enter this marriage knowing? Mm-hmm. You about Rainier? Lainor. Hmm? You said yes. Lena. Oh, Rainier. Rainier, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, brothers and sisters, I mean. Yeah, it's it similar her. names, yeah. <laughs> and she becomes friends with Lena <laughs> in canon, so, or closer than friends, it says. Uh, <laughs> but I'm getting ahead Who of knows? myself. Tell um, us what you think here. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, I think they, they're going to establish it, hopefully, for Rhaenyra as well as the audience. Uh, I agree with what you were saying, Ash, about them being, you know, kind of going into it mutually, you know, this is the best thing we can do to make everybody happy. And maybe then we can just go about living our lives, you know, once we make the powers of be happy. And, and yeah, that, that I think would be the best scenario. Mm-hmm. As far as whether poor old Joffrey makes makes it past episode five, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, Maybe that's why Kristen Cole gets mad if he's genuinely supportive of Rhaenyra and sees this dude like hooking up with a man. He's like, "You're gonna, you're gonna 
<laughs> mess up my princess's mojo. I don't know what. There's got to be a way for this to happen. <laughs> In contrast to her looking happy at the wedding, she looks very unhappy on that beach walk, which was shown well in advance. She's walking in her maybe the same red dress that she's got on. Um, well, at Storm's End, I think it might be the same one, but where she's just not looking at him. And I guess that mm. is a walk on Driftmark. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's even right after the wedding or shortly after. Yeah, I guess I would again think that that was their ta- their walk before the wedding. Okay. That yeah. they have a talk, a heart to heart where that's, where, where yes. that's why Rhaenyra knows going in and why at the wedding she feels fine to make eyes at whoever she's making eyes at. She's flirtatious mm. with other people like, oh, I look good and. Maybe my, that I, doesn't matter if I'm cheating. Maybe that scene's in this episode because of the dress thing. If she's, if she is, if I'm right and she's oh. wearing the same dress, she goes from Storm's End to Driftmark, and that's oh. even better. Sets up Damon buzzing their ship because mm. that's where maybe Damon would be. And of course, Damon being at Driftmark fits really well, especially if he gets kicked out. He could go back there, and that sets up some of the other stuff in Fire and Blood, where Lena and Damon and Rhaenyra become like. A team of sorts. They become friends. They race their dragons together. Uh, again, I repeat that it says Lena and Rhaenyra became close, closer than friends, as if it's like, hmm, is that a, what are they suggesting there? Interesting. Uh, maybe a little, uh, anyway. Maesters. Yeah, Maesters. What are they? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, all I'll say is Rhaenyra started off the season saying she just wanted to eat cake and ride her dragon off with someone. And who mm. wants to ride a dragon with Rhaenyra? Lena is also just wants to ride a dragon. I don't know. I, I, we don't know her preference for cake, but it's a safe assumption that the cake isn't a big deal. It's so the dragon riding part that matters. <laughs> right, yeah, I as much as obviously Lena was not aged up like Rhaenyra was, so they have a little bit of an age difference. But at the point when there's teen Rhaenyra, I mean teen Lena, and a little bit older Rhaenyra, they could easily be friends, I think. So I would really like it if we could at least see them like riding the dragons together. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, yeah. I think they're they're only a few years. Really, it's like she's twelve in that one episode. And and I think Rhaenyra is fifteen. Yeah, by that's this not a big point, gap, they're gonna yeah. be they're gonna be like fifteen or sixteen and eighteen. Yeah, and Rhaenyra like no but, longer has Allison as a friend, so she has a little bit yeah. of a gap. So like I, I, it's a bit different, you know, between a twelve-year-old and a sixteen-year-old. I mean, it yeah, a lot happens in those four years. And she again would be a peer. That's another thing that I think Rhaenyra is. Yeah. She wants someone who's her peer. She wants to be friends with people who are peers. Allison was her peer. Things fell apart, but they were very similar, like rank, age, and all that. That's part of why she's just not having it with any of these suitors, is they're they're not on her level. They're not dragon riders. They're not, like, they don't have combat experience. They're just people born in privilege without a lot of accomplishments and I think she just has a lot of contempt for that <laughs> yeah I would kind of also really like them to set up the Rhaenyra Lena relationship friendship whatever you Me want to too. call it because Rhaenyra is going to be Bela and Rhaena's stepmom and yes. Rhaenyra has had really a, a tumultuous time with the stepmother on her own part so I feel like Rhaenyra should care about doing it right you know like I, I she has a vested interest in how she comes off as a stepmother. Yeah. I mean, Bela and Reyna will be betrothed. If it follows Fire and Blood, they'll 
be betrothed to Jason Luke. That's yeah, a huge stepmother deal. and mm-hmm. mother-in-law. Yeah, and oh. and this is around and in the book around this time, Cyrax has eggs and lays a clutch, mm-hmm. and those eggs are among those that get put in all these various cradles of her own children and of the Valarian children uh, between Damon and Lena. Well, I guess those are Targaryen, but yeah, same I guess- thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago, a week or two ago, and we speculated on um, whether there was a scene cut, and we ultimately decided no, there wasn't a scene cut. That it was that we're still having egg, a, a Damon with egg scene to come, and so that could be exactly what that is. Which yeah, do you is, remember uh, Lady Gwen at the beginning trailers where Damon has got the torch, and he's going down the steps, and he's talking about dragon eggs and all the stuff. We thought that would be him stealing the egg, Dreamfire's egg. But his hair was mm-hmm. short there. It was not. He did, was not long haired Damon, so that's a little bit later. You know, a little right, bit later right. on, and it was mm-hmm. a slightly different colored egg that he had. I remember the, the goopy egg, the egg that had like debris on it or whatever. Yeah. So um, we were tricked, but mm-hmm. the, the details show that it, like Ashea said, not a deleted scene. Most likely, right. maybe this episode, come, maybe next yeah. episode. Yeah, I, it mm-hmm. seems like that's gonna be that those are eggs for either Bela Reyna or eggs mm-hmm. for Damon's kids with Rhaenyra much yeah, later, which would be after the jump. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. So that uh, very strong possibility. Is there any other uh, takes on that, Lady Gwen? No, I think uh, we got it. Cool, <laughs> close as we can get it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Emily sends a super chat and says, "Love you guys." Is that Emily of the Eerie? Yes. Or- hey, yes shout out to yeah. your your new co-host there huh? for <laughs> House of the Dragon coverage. That's as right. as we yeah. mentioned, Radio Westeros is streaming every Tuesday evening. That's right. What time is that again? Every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Cool, cool. With our, with our co-host for the season, Emily the Eerie. Hell yeah. So let's move on to the surprising plot line that I love to discuss that we still haven't gotten too, too deep with, but is very compelling, very surprising, very fun. We didn't know we'd get such a great topic that we thought was kind of book only. It really set the fandom afire with fun as good as this mm-hmm. show has been this angle to it has been uh kind of dancing around the edges and just filling us with it's a lot of puns right and, there yeah look at that fire and edges yeah fire and oh, yeah so this section i call prophetic runes in the flame a little tolkien-esque i already made one rings of power mention now uh, rainier will be <laughs> showing the prophecy in verbal form on this dagger, the cat's paw dagger of ice and fire. I told you I had a lot of names for this thing. Now, okay, so my question is, I'm super curious if this mean if this was a, if Aegon had this dagger made, and this is a way to, like, protect some of the lore as a way to keep it secret, but to maybe help ensure that it wasn't lost, or was this dagger older than Aegon's time? Because, obviously, the Song of Ice and Fire, the prince that was promised, this prophecy predates Aegon as well so there's no there's no need to assume that it has to be his I don't know I kind of think he had it made but I'm not entirely sure what do you think uh, at first I actually thought it was I, I had the other opinion but the more I've thought about it the more I think yeah Aegon probably had that made but what do you think Lady Gwyn well it does say that Aegon it says my blood so I definitely can see that that's kind of what I thought first but since the secret of actually making Valyrian steel was apparently lost in the doom I kind of lean towards predating Aegon maybe yeah. maybe Daenys uh, mm. you know before the Targaryens left for Valyria interesting you know, some sort of um, uh, prophecy that started with actually the original 
uh, signs and portents woman. <laughs> the signs and portents yeah, woman. The signs and portents woman. <laughs> uh, so I, I wanted to say I love that they're keeping this focus on prophecy or on this specific prophecy because it is a great way to tie uh, the books and the show canons all together possibly even becoming a thread that they can follow along with in future successor shows. Mm. So you're having this one thing that functions as an overarching theme, possibly is even a motivating factor in many things that will be depicted about house, house Targaryen, you know, as they're building this cohesive canon. I think that's incredibly valuable. So just, it's like an anchor in the narrative. You've got uh, human stories and dramas that they're going to tell, obviously, and all the politics and stuff. But I think it it will always come back to this prophecy. And I think the extent to which it motivates or doesn't, uh, various Targaryens will continue to be a major factor in a a lot of the stories that are going to be told, uh, not just in this series, but specific to this series. My assumption is that Rhaenyra is going to be the only one who Viserys shares this information with, uh, which will make that succession struggle with her brother seem a lot more urgent to her. Aegon is going to be out for his own and his mother's family's advancement. uh, And using this device, uh, Rhaenyra could be portrayed as this kind of tragic figure out to safeguard Mm -hmm. the future of the realm, preserving this solemn duty of House Targaryen to unite the Seven Kingdoms against this future. If, if, although I have to feel that if she feels that way, mm. you she should probably tell her brother. You know, like if mm. she really thinks that this is for the the safety of the realm, this is the greater good, all that. Mm. I think you would try to communicate that to to your brother. Would he believe her? Whether would he believe her, all these things. I still think you give it mm. a shot. Okay. You give it a try. Maybe yeah. that does happen eventually. And, Maybe we get a thing where well, she sends a letter to Aegon in season two and she tries yeah. to, to mend it for that reason alone. The but, thing about that, it's a good call. The one problem with that maybe is that Aegon, remember, I mean, Aegon is out of action and like crippled so quickly that like, yeah. who, mm-hmm. Aemon wouldn't listen to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. So I, I won't just, listen to her. I guess what I'm saying is I would like to see Rhaenyra okay. tr- struggle with like, well, Hmm. I would like to end the fighting because this is far more important. I have this this information that I should communicate, but there's no one that I can really hmm. communicate it to hmm. that would do anything or believe me. Versus Rhaenyra, just like, oh, let me keep this to myself. Do you think mope. she'll tell Aegon as an Aegon the Third, her son? You think she'll tell him? Yeah, I do think she'll. I will. Mm-hmm. I, sorry, I, I I meant. I think she'll tell her sons. I don't know how many of her sons. I think she'll end up telling. Okay. I kind of feel. I mentioned yeah. it in a previous episode. I feel like she'll quickly get rather disheartened with telling sons this information. Do you think Jace will mm-hmm. be told? Yes. Lady Gwen. Oh, yeah. Lady Gwen. You, no, yeah. I, I, you've said so before, yeah. and I agree with you. I want to see. Yeah. You think so too, Lady Gwen? I think she will tell every one of her sons. Oh, I think okay. part of her. I think part of her tragedy is going to be showing her repeatedly going I have to tell you this. And then that child dies. She's going to tell then... another one. And then she's going to tell another one. I do not think <sighs> this is going to die off yeah. in the dance of the dragons. Mm. I think it's going to, I think we did an analysis uh, at one of our episodes about how, uh, and, and I've seen some great ones by other people too, actually. Um, uh, I can't remember. I, <laughs> I'm it's a blur. Leave that because because it's a blur. I can't remember. Show who to credit, so, yeah. but, but <laughs> we talked about how, you know, a lot of the things that, 
uh, House Tar Targaryen does in the intervening years between the dance and uh, the main series could be explained if you think that they have knowledge, but it's kind of like degrading, you know, like a game of telephone. So they, they know a little bit less and a little bit less every kind of generation that goes by. So... And then it's finally lost. What what the big drama I would think is that it's finally lost with Rhaegar at the Trident, and then which is and then it becomes gone. ironic that Danny finds out anyway through dreams, like <laughs> Quaith yeah, or someone I mean, tells her, to, or she dreams it. Who trying knows? to make its way back, yeah. you know. But that's that's I think we keep your eyes on the fact that a Song of Ice and Fire is the main series. Yes. So I think the the big thing is going to be those people trying to rediscover this information. Well said. Well said. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. I, I'm gonna. It's it's funny. Every there is reason, like a direct reference this time, because of the dagger and the reading and the flames and all that. But we've been asking all of our Saturday guests what they think about this plot line and, and how it's going to move forward because it's such a cool thing. And I want to hear every every guest take on that. So I'm glad <laughs> glad to hear from you on that. That was really good. All right, let's cover a few other random things that we missed from Monday. And yeah, given the overwhelming symbolism and depth of emotion in episode three, there was a lot of things that we missed. A couple of small details. I believe I referred to Vaymon Valarian as, in the book canon, a cousin, but he's a nephew of uh, Corlys. Mm. And now he's his brother in this version. So small, small difference there, but I want to get that right. I also think I said Craghouse Crabfeeder was Lysine, but he's Mirish. I got that wrong. Also, not a very big difference, but important to get things right. There was that look mm -hmm. that we talked about. We kind of laughed at how Allison's comments on childbirth and the nursemaids were like, easy, easy birth, eh? You know, <laughs> and there's a couple of ways to interpret that. We pointed out how they were like, oh, maybe it wasn't so easy. But there's even bigger deal is that I didn't catch at the time was how you're saying this to Rhaenyra, whose mother died in childbirth and she lost yeah. four. Was it four? Kids to stillbirth and and all that was it three or four? It's, it was at least three. She had seven pregnancies. Seven? And... Oh, geez. So, yeah. but I think they, they were said all stillbirths. Yeah. No, they weren't. Yeah, that, that you know, a couple of them. At least one maybe died as a baby. Yeah, um, yeah. And then yeah. she had stillbirths and miscarriages and stuff. Either way, that's yeah. a careless yes, comment. That was yeah. a, definitely yeah. a huge cow. miss on our part that I completely yeah. blame on being sleepless and the day after con. I'm just going to blame it on that <laughs> because it was as soon as I. I got the first comment about it. I was like, oh, that's so obvious. But also does makes our uh, the point even greater, perhaps, which is that, yeah, it's so easy to just be careless and callous and not think of that. Like we saw, we saw the audience saw Emma die in childbirth and we still just like glossed over that comment yep. which shows how Alice and herself despite being like her best friend she was trying to make it like all that, yeah. she just didn't think of it it didn't cross her mind she I, was like, trying to soothe her and didn't realize how insensitive it was yeah I don't think it was intended to be mean I mean Allison hasn't really been that way we haven't seen her throw barbs like that yeah we will I do we think will we will yeah. see her throw barbs <laughs> but so far I think she just really was trying to soothe her and just and I just agree. put her foot in her mouth yeah I totally agree uh, it was it was subtle on multiple levels and we missed one of the levels initially <laughs> uh here's a nice catch you had speaking of childbirth and and resemblances lady going this is a great catch uh, more mm. great detail by the writers here picking out s single lines from fire and blood and making them glow. 
Tell us what you found. It's just just amazing. In the first scene uh, in, well, first scene in King's Landing, uh, you might have noticed the very beginning, they're all gathered around baby Aegon and they're going, oh, you have father's hair, you have your father's eyes, you have your father's nose. <laughs> Not all that unusual. I mean, it just seemed like, a oh, yeah, of course, kids look like their parents, yeah, right? Yeah, it happens. Uh, it happens and it, it, it checks out. George's instructions, if you go all the way back to 2005, he gave a long series of instructions describing all the Targaryen kings to uh, the Russian artist Amok, who is the one who did most of the portraits that we see like in the Wiki of Ice and Fire, a lot of the ones that you might be the most familiar with. Uh, he makes a point uh, re-emphasizing the family likeness in his description of Aegon II by saying he bears a strong resemblance to his father Viserys. Nice. So it, like you said, <laughs> this is just, to me, it's another great example of the writers really paying attention, being steeped in the lore, not just having read Fire and Blood, but they've read, they've read everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they've read, they're reading the SSMs and, you know, they're bringing in all these small references and Easter eggs to every episode and so many of them that it is hard to keep up. We're going to miss a couple every week because there's so many little details. Yeah, it, um, they're they're on that level. And when they're on that level, things are going to sneak by because it's super subtle. That's fantastic. Yeah. It gives us so much confidence in what's coming else. What's coming else? What's what else is coming? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, I have COVID. <laughs> here's another. Here's another fun one. Tell us your anecdote from last week about the uh, the serving man being beaten and uh, and our all our joking throughout this episode about poor Sir Adam pummeled by Damon. Poor, poor Sir Adam. Yeah. When when we reviewed uh, episode two, we made a note that. Uh, in Byron Blood, it says this in the veil, Prince Damon reportedly whipped the serving man who brought the news to him within an inch of his life. That is Damon hearing the the news that his brother was marrying Alison Hightower. Yeah. Uh, and when we were reviewing that, we said, well, you know, this didn't happen in this episode. No serving men were harmed <laughs> in the creation of this video. Uh, fast forward to episode three. And poor Sir Adam is uh, filling in for the serving man in the veil. Instead of a whipping, it was a helmet. What do you call oh, that? A helmet whipping? It was like pistol helmet whipping. Bashing? A helmet bashing? Yeah. Oh, that was awful. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. I guess he must have knocked his helmet out of shape because he did certainly didn't bring it with him. By the in, way. In the next scene. Apparently his helmet has some Valyrian steel in it. Like on the website oh. about him. Yeah, someone pointed that out. I meant to put that in the notes and I just thought of it. Apparently his helmet has some Valyrian steel in it. Yeah, if you go to uh, House of the Dragon Guides dot com or whatever anyway there's an official mm -hmm. hbo guide that they update every week that has little info like that and yeah. like pictures of saddles and other things that's cool last week uh we talked about the pug alva watson pointed out that pugs were first bred in the shang dynasty before 400 bc so wow those are way older than we thought <laughs> so that's cool Though I still think that those pugs were not the flat pugs, the flat nosed pugs. They weren't. Right? I thought. I think they were. Oh, I, I guess my. I, I thought that the pugs have changed snout shape oh, significantly okay. in time. Well, so I guess my they don't have any of those old not, style anyway, ones. Yeah. <laughs> they would have a picture of the ones from the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be carvings, you know. Carvings. <laughs> oh. That would um, be funny. Yeah, my my biggest problem with that dog was that the snuffling of the cake off of uh, the plate. <laughs> don't, don't let the dog <laughs> have your cake. It could be what other kind of dog you want. But, <laughs> yeah. 
I, I think I accidentally skipped over uh, a question last week about the hunt and how it was George's least favorite scene in the first go yeah. round. I think I skipped that question by accident and how yeah. this was such a bigger one. And the behind the scenes, they talk about how now, this is what a royal hunt would look like. It would have a thousand people and dogs mm-hmm. and tons of nobles. And they're just clapping for the king, even though he hasn't earned any acclaim. They're just like, good job stabbing that thing that we held still. Oh, while you good Yes. Stabbing. Yeah. So. <laughs> I feel like they maybe even added a little more to that just just for George, you know. <laughs> George, who specifically said about Robert's hunt that what did he said like a uh, uh, royal hunt would be way more than just four guys walking through the woods. With- <laughs> Especially when you think back to what they did with that scene. Like obviously in the books, that scene doesn't happen on page at all. And why did they bother to put it on page just so Robert could talk about making the eight? I mean. <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure that's the most meaningful conversation that happens. That's all it was. <laughs> it was yeah, like, really okay, bizarre. yeah, we really didn't need that. All right. <laughs> uh, White Heart was one of Stannis's ships burned at the Blackwater. Um, Davos notices that. And here's another moment that where the White Heart is mentioned really early in A Game of Thrones. Sansa 3 talking to Jane Poole. So Sansa's third chapter ever. This is a really fun and meaningful quote. Here we go. Uh, Sansa says, I had a dream that Joffrey would be the one to take the white heart. It had been more than a wish, more of a wish, actually. (laughs) But it sounded better to call it a dream. (laughs) Everyone knew that dreams were prophetic. White hearts were supposed to be very rare and magical. In her heart, she knew her gallant prince was worthier than his drunken father. A dream? Truly? Did Prince Joffrey just go up to it and touch it with his bare hand and do it no harm? No, Sansa said. (laughs) He shot it with a golden arrow and brought it back for me. In the songs, the knights never killed magical beasts. They just went up to them and touched them and did them no harm. But she knew Joffrey liked hunting, especially the killing part. (laughs) Only animals, though. That is some real 13-year-old logic there, isn't it? (laughs) It's also hilarious. Like, did he go up to it and touch it with his bare hand and do it no harm? No. (laughs) No. He only (laughs) likes killing animals, though, not people. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's right. I love this quote. That quote is great. But, yeah, it's like her third. That's her third chapter ever it's so good <laughs> oh, wow yeah mm-hmm. um <laughs> not a whole lot to say there i just figured y'all would be amused by that <laughs> lionel strong mm-hmm. in fire and blood here this guy emerging as the good advisor that's straight from canon it looks like viserys comes to trust him that's going to make his presumable presumed death by hands of at fire <laughs> very sad and unfortunate for the realm and for Viserys here's a little quote about him we'll, we'll talk about him briefly uh, Lord Lionel had studied at the Citadel as a youth earning six links of his chain before deciding that a maester's life was not for him he was literate and learned his knowledge of the laws of the seven kingdoms exhaustive thrice wed and thrice a widower the Lord of Arenhall brought two maiden daughters and two sons to court with him book version he's large and intimidating doesn't seem to matter that they change that. He never gets into a fight, so that was not a, an important part of his character in terms of uh, the book. But the and the two sons are there. I'm not sure if the daughters are. They weren't a big part in Fire and Blood. I don't know that they're going to be included here. But it's not necessarily too late for that. They wouldn't have necessarily been at the hunt. 
Although there were women there, so eh. well, Another, go ahead. I guess I. Uh, do you think that Alice Rivers was a bastard daughter of Lionel or of a different strong? No, I think a different strong. Okay. Yeah, because she was older. Like, she yeah, was, yeah. I mean, just it's, yeah. Again, Fire and Blood is not clear on that. Like they True. say that, but she's a very mis. I mean, they refer to her as in very witchy terms. That I have to take anything they say about her. Good point. With a grain of salt. That I personally, mm. I could see if. In House of the Dragon, she was a bastard daughter of Lionel Strong and a sister to Laris and Lionel. I, I could see, see it in the show. Yeah, I'm you're not right. in the book. That please. would make a lot of sense. Maybe yeah. the the law of conservation of Strongs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We, we, we couldn't get through this episode without using that phrase. That, but uh, they could also make it so that she's an aunt of them, potentially. Like yeah. If they, make, if they want to make her a slightly older generation, that she could be Lionel and Laris's, uh, I, I mean, I mean, Harwin and uh, Laris's aunt. That would make sense. Yeah. Shout out to Knight of Ice and Fire on Twitter who cited that really sneaky, subtle line that shows Lionel also knows how to speak to Viserys to convince him that things are his idea. He said, we must pray, of course, that Lainor survives, right? He's talking about, he suggests the wedding of Lainor and Rhaenyra, and he's like, look, I'm just like before. This isn't for me. This is just what I think is the best case. And then he's like, but you need to help your brother. <laughs> but he doesn't say that. He's like, well, if Lanor dies, this whole thing is off. So the unspoken part is you should help your brother. <laughs> you should do something. So yeah. that was very clever. I didn't catch that, but it's a, it's a total slam dunk once it's pointed out and like, good, good call. Good call. Night of ice and fire. Yeah. Yeah. You noticed Joanna Swan on, on Monday as well. We both were, or on Sunday as well. That was super fun. We both were like, yay, Joanna Swan. We yay. explained a little bit of that to Sean. Cause Sean's unsullied. He didn't know what that was all about. So we, we talked about mm-hmm. that. That was really cool. Um, glad to see those little nuggets get included. It is, it is least that she rose up to be chief courtesan of in all but name queen of the city. I couldn't remember if it was Lise or Volantis, but it is Lise. Yeah. Um, the, my theme song for the Stepstones plot was no doubts don't speak because neither Craghar, <laughs> Crabfeeder, or Cragass, Crabfeeder, or Damon had anything to say there. So mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> silent performances. That was so good. Good stuff. I really liked that a lot. The the, the silence. Clever to do. Uh, TKOK Podcast Networks into super chat and says watching this literally from the peak of a volcano. Yeah. Really. He's on vacation. Really? Where which volcano? Yeah, that's a vacation. What, <laughs> what is this Hawaii or? Yeah, I know. I forget where. Where did you? Where did you go, Tommy? He'll he'll chime in and tell us before we wrap up if he's still in the chat. I saw where his pictures you? and I but I don't remember exactly where it is. Some beautiful location. Yeah, well, that's amazing. I guess they have volcanoes in Washington State or. Yeah, like Mount St. Helens and isn't that area? Well, I think right? he's in the tropics, a tropical oh. vacation. Tropical? I, I, I tropical believe, I, but I, 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 it's not Hawaii. I know that, but um, we'll see if we'll he see. chimes in, or maybe I'll go open Instagram <laughs> right now and go uh, try to snoop <laughs> on Tommy. Snoop on. Find out for us all. But I'm curious. <laughs> well. That is about it for today, folks. We'll begin our outro process once again. If you have any questions for us. You can get them in either now at the last second here or just send them to us on Monday for our other live stream or head out to Radio Westeros' stream on Tuesday. Rather, and, I should say and, not or. You can ask mm-hmm. questions to them as well. I'm sure they'll have some good answers for you as well that probably won't be the same as ours, at least not usually, not always. They mm-hmm. always have some, some different yeah, takes. Like a Venn Yes. Yeah, exactly. A Venn diagram. <laughs> not, co- not total overlap, but a lot of overlap. <laughs> yes. That's why we work so well together. 
mm-hmm. at least part of why. <laughs> so, yes, uh, we mentioned a few of our other episodes. Definitely check out our co-coverage with Radio Westeros on Dance of the Dragons. Like we said, episode five is, is fairly eminent. And check out their streams Tuesday at 7. Is that what you said? 7, right? Yeah. Yep. Is, that's 7 Eastern. Is there anything else you wanted to plug or shout out or say as we close out today, Lady Gwen? Thanks so much for coming, by the way. Um, super yeah, fun. no, thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been great. Uh, no, really, just you know, come check out our streams. We're uh, intentionally not on the, we're not on the same night. We <laughs> overlap in our opinions, but we're not in our stream time. Yeah. So there's definitely lots of room for catching a lot of content. We do appreciate that out there, <laughs> and we appreciate everyone who who comes and checks it out. So. Yeah, that extra 24 hours is probably pretty valuable for, for getting a few thoughts together. I'm <laughs> I, it's still intense. I, yeah. I wouldn't want to be doing it Monday. Of course, I, most, I work most Mondays, oh, too, okay. so that's makes it difficult. Well, all the more reason <laughs> to check out Radio Westeros' coverage. In addition to ours, there's a lot of good people covering the show right now, but, you know, we've got our favorites, and Radio Westeros okay. is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> So thank you for attending today, everyone. If you were in the chat, we appreciate your participation. Look, I can show you. I don't know the answer for where Tommy is, but I do have proof. It's a picture of him watching this very episode, very meta. With a moon. At a volcano. Yeah. But no, I actually, I still don't unfortunately have the answer for y'all, but there's proof. That is pretty cool. He almost looks like he's on set there. (laughs) Castle in the background and the stone wall. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. That's pretty cool. If you support us on Patreon, we we are very appreciative of that. You can also join us with a Spotify subscription or go to our website and just send a donation. If you do so, we will send you our bonus episodes. That is the best benefit we have. But there's other benefits like access to our scripts, nicknames, and the occasional other goodie that we send out here and there okay i hope i didn't miss anyone thanks to all of the people who make the show happen uh shout out to ashea over here who had to go through handle this whole stream while wearing a mask she doesn't get covid from me mm. <laughs> the things we do for live streams yeah I, I, I tested like four times this week and been negative every time and my nose is tired of it <laughs> yeah that squab is is no fun yeah no. Yeah. Anyway, no, folks. Thanks to Aziz for doing the stream, even though he had COVID. I gave him the out. I said, I can host it for you if you don't want to do it, but he is a trooper. If it had been some other time, I know, I think I still would have plowed through. I just like doing this. <laughs> so much fun. I, I was worried I would be too coffee, but I haven't. Uh, it's coffee. Been under control. Not, not as in not the caffeinated beverage. But <laughs> not the good kind of coffee. Not yeah. 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 Not the delicious caffeinated <laughs> kind, but the, the throat tremors <laughs> that have been under control. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thanks for bearing with us, everyone, and enjoy the episode tomorrow. And we'll see you for more coverage of House of the Dragon, Valar Reredus, and Valar Rewatches.